We're going to be starting a, the first part of a series of sermons throughout the whole month of August. Um, since school starting, for some of us in just a few weeks for our Christian school, and for some of us, uh, school starts in September, it's coming. So I thought it would be well worthwhile to spend some time looking at this topic from the scriptures, and we're going to be taking a, a journey starting today with exploring knowledge. What is knowledge according to the Bible? We're going to look at education in its relationship to character, to the person, the, the character of the person. And on the 15th is going to be a very special Sabbath. We're going to be dedicating our teachers and our staff. We're going to be praying for them. And that's, that Sabbath, we're going to be exploring from the Word of God what it is to be a teacher according to the Bible. We're going to look at the Bible and its relationship to education and education and its relationship to eternity. So it's going to be a pretty comprehensive uh, month looking at this topic. And if you're, if you're saying to yourself, well, I've already gone through high school, I've already gone through college, I'm done with education, this series will help you expand and broaden your definition of what education is. So I want to get started right away. And we're going to start with a little lesson in Spanish. Laura Jacobus, if you have any problems throughout the sermon with understanding Spanish, she can translate for you. She will be able to readily take my Spanish and convert it into English. She is sharp. In the screen, you see a word on the left, comida. Laura, do you, know, do you remember what that is? Comida, what is it? Comida is food. We're going to have to be reviewing. <laughs> Comida is food. And you came this morning wanting just a sermon, but I'm a pastor that feels that when we ask God for this much blessings, he gives us this much. So you're going to get some Spanish as well today. So if you're ever stuck in a place where they only speak Spanish, at least you'll be able to have food. I want you to repeat after me. What is food in Spanish? Comida. And it's important, the ending, ah. Because the next one, it says comido, that is food that has been eaten. In a little bit, we will be at Sandy Weaver's house. And there may be some pies there. And if people don't hurry up through the dessert line, and people will say, where is the comida? Where is the pies? Elliot will say comido. They have been eaten. Too slow. We talked about that this morning. Elliot's hopefully going to be patient with the dessert line. Comida is food. Comido, it has been eaten. And in English, it's hard to, you know, it's food. And we don't really have a way of saying that food that has been eaten except for that long sentence. There was a play of words I saw in a restaurant in Pennsylvania. The restaurant was called Good Eats. And I don't know if it's in Pennsylvania only, but sometimes people would, would say it like that. Instead of saying food, they would say eats. I don't know if the Pennsylvania Dutch, what it is, but I haven't heard it elsewhere. But the restaurant was called Good Eats, but really what it was trying to say is good food. So you would go from eats to eaten. Comida, comido. Comida is, what's, is when it's on the plate. Comido is when it's inside your belly. This is how we're going to start the series on education. 
Because what I want us to do is have a comparison. This illustration kind of like a parable. Information is like food that is on the table. And it doesn't become knowledge until it goes inside your mind. Just like food is comida on the table, the moment you eat it, it becomes what word? Wow. Muy bien, Iglesia de Oakwood. That's Oakwood Church in Spanish. Comida is when it's on the plate. Comido is when it's in the stomach. It's only information when it is out there in a book or a DVD or in the mind of a teacher. But it becomes knowledge when it has entered our mind. And not just that the information has entered, it has been processed, understood, and applied. Just like when we eat the food, we don't just masticate and swallow. There's a digestive process that, that happens, and whatever we eat becomes so small, it actually becomes what we are. We literally are what we eat. And in the same vein, information becomes knowledge when it goes inside our mind, and whatever information we put in there determines what, what effect it has upon us. Food quality and knowledge. The information we become exposed to or intentionally take in becomes what we know. The transition from information to knowledge. Comida, comido. Comida, information is on the outside. It becomes comido. It becomes inside when I understand it and apply it to life. That's the difference between information and knowledge. What we know affects what, we, what and why we believe. And what we believe affects who we are and what we do. And as Christians, it takes time for us to mature because we typically do Christianity backwards. We focus on the doing, on the behavior, and don't spend too much time analyzing this process of, that's why many Christians um, learn things but don't live them. It hasn't become knowledge to them. It's been still information. It's still an external thing. It hasn't gone inside. Information becomes knowledge when it goes inside our minds and is understood and applied in the life. What we know affects what we believe, and what we believe affects who we are and what we do. Not all that is called food is nourishing food. And in North America, this, this is a reality, right? We are the ones that have uh, come up with the term fast food. That's something that has become a phenomenon here in North America, and it's gone elsewhere. And for the most part, even though McDonald's is trying to change its menu, we know that junk food, is it good food for you? There's a documentary called um, Super Size Me. Have, have you guys seen that one? And that's all this individual eats, and he ends up getting really, 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 really sick. So just because something receives the label food doesn't mean it's food. In order for something to qualify as being food, it has to provide nutrients that nourish and heal us. Our body is going to constant damage, UV rays going through our cells, uh, pollution, the, the atmosphere. We're going through constant damage. So our body is constantly healing itself. Whether we know it or not, it happens. 
our heart needs um, repair, our cells die, our skin is constantly shedding itself. I think I told you, all those dust bunnies in your house is the dead skin of everybody in your house. Makes vacuuming a little different, doesn't it? Just because someone calls it food doesn't mean it is. And just because someone slaps a label of information does not mean it is so. Information that becomes knowledge, just like food, has to meet certain criteria. True information that leads to true knowledge. Not all that is called information leads to true knowledge. And I already talked to you about some of the, the chains. So you can find some things there that, you know, will not, you know, make your cholesterol skyrocket or make your, your triglycerides go through the roof. But just as there are chains of food, food that is continually being prepared, waiting to be eaten, information is continually being presented, is continually flowing on our earth. And like I said, not all of it is information that we should be eating, information that we should be taking into ourselves. I'm going to ask you a question. What are some of the most effective and influential information chains? Using the parable of, you know, Panera Bread, Olive Garden, Taco Bell, etc. They are food chains. What are some of the chains that disseminate information? And not just any kind of chain, effective and influential chains in our society. Can you think of any? A constant source of information, where information is continually being poured forth. Advertising, television. The first one that I thought of was the internet. But as I was chewing on this and processing it and meditating on this, I realized it's not advertisements, it's not the internet, it's not even television. The most effective and influential chains, the mediums through which information is disseminated are the homes and the schools. The schools and the homes trump advertisement, internet, and television. Number one, because as you're a child, you spend a lot of time with your parents. And we as parents are continually giving information to our children, not just through verbal instructions, but through our lives. Our little children learn how to be humans from us. They're absorbing everything we do, sometimes for good and sometimes for the parents' repentance. Sometimes what, the children, what my little girl does makes me think, oh, man, i got to change that. The home and the school are the chains through which information is most effectively and with the greatest influence being given. Now, since these are the sources where all humanity, I mean, not everybody in the world has televisions, not everybody in the world has internet, but everybody in the world has parents and hopefully schools. And with schools, there's a transition. Gianna right now is four. By the age of five, six, she'll be placed in a school, and she'll spend about seven to eight hours in a school for the next however many years she goes, all the way up to high school and possibly college and maybe graduate school. 
So by the age of five or six till the age of 23, 24, 25, she's going to be in school for about eight to ten hours a day. Schools have a great influence upon what we know. They provide the greatest, I think, amount of information that unless we do our homework at home as far as providing information that we want our children to acquire that produces knowledge that um, follows the, the values and the principles we have, education oftentimes will out undo what has been done in the home. Certain kinds of schools, not just every school. Just like not every chain has food that is called food, not every school gives true information. In true information that yields to true knowledge. What do you mean by that, Pastor? True knowledge, true information is information that matters. Math matters, science matters, history matters, language matters, and all the other topics and, and, and um, things that we learn in school, all of those matter. But schools, a school that provides true information has one overarching element. A, a school, you, you have, you know, just like Panera Bread and, and um, Olive Garden, you have uh, some bread, some salads, a drink. They have common denominators. And schools across the board, for the most part, have common denominators that are listed there. But I would like to argue this. Christian schools, like Christian homes, provide or have the potential to provide true information that leads to true knowledge. And we haven't defined what that means yet. I'm just stating this case. Christian homes, as well as Christian schools, provide true information that lead to true knowledge. This morning, I want to spend some time in these three passages. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And Psalms 111, verse 10. This is the New King James Version. You can look them up or you can write them for further study. And you can look at the context as well. But I color-coded. I'm visual. So I began to read through these passages, and some things began to stand out to me that led me to come out to those statements as true information and true knowledge. What the home and the school should provide. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Psalms 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. I want to spend time with that first one. Right away we may feel a little bit uncomfortable with that expression, the fear of the Lord. In just a brief, brief, brief parentheses. The book of Proverbs is, is written in Hebrew poetry. And Hebrew poetry helps us understand what certain words may mean because the expression repeats itself. You have the first stanza that says something, and, you, and if you're not quite sure what it means, read the second stanza and it will help you understand. And that, that verse is divided into two. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the first stanza. And you'll see that one part correlates or corresponds to the other. The second half says, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And if we were to put them like they are one above the other, you see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. The second part doesn't say the fear of the Lord. It says what? The knowledge of the Lord. So from this proverb, we can have a working definition of what it means to have the fear of the Lord. In this proverb, it's simply the knowledge of the Holy One. The knowledge of God is the fear of God. To know God, to, to fear God, means to know Him. And fear in this context is, yes, the reverence aspect of it, the being in awe of who the Lord is. It's an expression that we don't use anymore, but the Bible was not written in English, certainly not American 2015 English. And so for us, it, it helps us to spend time with these passages to begin to ask ourselves, what is true knowledge? What is true edu- education? What is true information? And Proverbs consistently puts God at the center of all that calls itself information. Information becomes knowledge when it goes inside. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Everything that the home should give in information, everything that a school should provide as as information should have God at the beginning, should have God as the foundation. And, you know, when I went to school, I went to, to a public school in South America. I went to an Adventist school, to a Christian school. And here in, in North America, we went to a public school. And I thought, hey, it's math is math. English, well, English is not Spanish, but it's a language, right? You still got grammar rules. And history is history. And biology is biology. But there's a difference when we study history without God as the beginning of it. There's a difference when we look at science without God as the beginning of knowledge. There's a difference when we look at math without God at the beginning of knowledge. There's a difference when information is given and it filters out God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. These are all synonyms. And the Bible interchanges them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this last one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. This is what makes the difference between information that is devoid of God Information that does not have God as its beginning and its foundation. That kind of information has, provides no sense of what's moral or ethical. That knowledge provides no compass for what is right or what is wrong. But those that receive information with the fear of the Lord as the beginning of that knowledge... They have a good understanding, and they understand what is moral. And the highest standard of morality that we have on this planet, the highest list that summarizes what is moral and ethical, are the Ten Commandments of God. True knowledge, 
true understanding should lead me in my profession as a biochemist, as an architect, as a teacher, as a chef, as a mathematician, as whatever career through information that has become knowledge, whatever career that knowledge has produced, it should have God as the beginning of it. Because it will produce knowledge that gives me a moral compass in this world. I was reading Christianity today, and there's, there's this big two, two things that are gripping and, you know, it's over social media. A, a gentleman that shot a lion. Have you heard about that situation? And then the situation where Planned Parenthood has been investigated for selling fetus organs, baby body parts. The person that shot the lion is a dentist. Do dentists have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge? But see, information that has been given, filtered, having filtered God out of it, is false information. It leads to false knowledge. Knowledge, according to the Bible, should produce in me inner morality. An inner capacity to say, this is evil and this is good. It is not just the capacity to discern between the two, but the power, the supernatural power to choose what is right. No matter the consequences. That's true knowledge. The home and the school have been designed by God to give information, but not just any kind of information. Information that is not simply sprinkled with a little God in it. Information that it is imbued with the principles and the commandments and the wisdom and the knowledge of God as the beginning, as the foundation for it. I remember going to ESL, English as a Second Language. The beginning of learning English was learning A-E-I-O-U. And in Spanish, E is I. And I had a hard time with that. And I was so glad we started there. Good, better, Betterest. No, no, there's an exception for that one, Ariel. Oh, English. Bear, beard. It's not beard. No, that's the kind that flies. What? Those of you that are foreigners understand what I'm going, what I'm talking about. We are accustomed to having just information. Information that does not present a responsibility in having received this information that becomes knowledge. Now I am responsible for the knowledge that I have received to use that knowledge in a way that is moral and ethical and for the benefit of other human beings and what God has created. Does that make sense? A dentist that helps people not have cavities, should know better than to go and destroy other life, especially if it's going to be endangered. Humans that have studied anatomy and physiology and have learned to, and have recited the Hippocratic Code do no harm, 
should learn, should apply to not do harms even to fetuses. The more I spent time with these verses, especially this next one, the more I saw the difference between individuals, and it helped me understand how could individuals with so much intellectual attainment could do so much harm with that information. Individuals that have learned and gone through school through so many years and acquired so much knowledge, because that knowledge did not have God as the beginning of it, the end of it produced an immoral individual, an individual that cannot discern right and wrong. We read here in Proverbs 1-7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I used to grow up with the immature idea of fools. Those are the people that don't get it. They just don't get it. But in the Bible, fools is someone totally different. This is how the Bible defines a fool. Psalms 53, 1 through 3 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no what? No God. And I used to think, oh, that means atheist. No. This is not necessarily speaking about atheists. This is someone that in his heart, maybe he's speaking Jesus, Jesus, but in his heart, he is saying there is no God. That has tremendous moral implications in our world. I remember going through uh, college and reading and learning about this gentleman named Karl Marx. And there's a quote that is very well known that religion is the opiate of the people. And I used to wonder, what in the world is he talking about, opiates? Then I went to pharmacology school and I learned what they do. Oh, they numb you. According to Marx, the, the, the top elite of society would use religion as a way to calm the common populace so that they wouldn't revolt with the idea of religion and this idea that, oh, don't worry if you suffer now. We will get to heaven, so don't revolt. Be good. Let me oppress you and exploit you. And that's how Karl Marx saw religion. But see, this is the difference when you only... There's a quote in this book called Education that says we should guard ourselves from becoming mere reflectors of other people's thoughts. And once we begin to experience what true knowledge is, it gives us a capacity to discern what seems to be so airtight. And Karl Marx's arguments seem airtight from history, but the more I looked at Karl Marx and the more I looked at history and society, I disagree with Karl Marx's statement that religion is the opiate of the people. I think this statement is the opiate of those that have power and control and authority. Because it's them that exploit and, and abuse the poor and defenseless. That when the powerful, when the presidents, when the, the dictators in their heart says there is no God, they're not accountable to anyone and they can do as they please. Atheism is the opiate of the powerful, not religion the opiate of the people. Actually, it has been religion that has been at the genesis of all the moral revolutions that have taken place in this world. It actually is the true knowledge of God that has produced... Why do we have streets named after Martin Luther King Jr., right? God used someone that could look at society and through the knowledge gained, understand what's immoral and act. 
do something. And the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And with this filtering out God of information, this leaving God out from the, the producing, the, the, the giving off of information, producing a knowledge that, that is devoid of God, it generates an inability to discern what's right and wrong. And look at the outcome. For the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God or seek after God, seek to know God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. And I highlighted with a special color that expression, there is no God, there is none who does good, there is none who does good. In the Hebrew, it stands out very clear, the emphasis. Individuals that live immoral lives in their hearts are, are, are proclaiming there is no God. In the information that I've received, in the knowledge that I've acquired, in the way that I see the world, in what I believe, God is not there. God is not there. That's what we were talking about this morning in Sabbath school about Daniel. It wasn't that he had a high IQ that he got good grades in Babylon. It's that he chose to make the fear of God the beginning of his understanding, the beginning of his knowledge. And it produced in him not just information that allowed him to do the bookkeeping correctly or understand the policies correctly. What Daniel had was a moral compass. I will not defile myself. I will not violate my conscience. The information and the knowledge that I have acquired from my home and from a school, my school, have given me a clear understanding of what is good and what is evil. And the supernatural power that comes from God empowers me to choose and act what is holy, what is righteous, and what is good. That's true knowledge, and that's true education. When there is no divine worldview in the information given at the education, there is no absolute norm for morality, for defining something as being good and evil. What is good for you might not be good for me, and what is evil to you might be good for me. But not so when we have God as the source of information. God becomes the absolute moral. The, those that do his commandments, the... the, the the law of God becomes the standard by which we define something as being good or evil. More so, beyond just not knowing, beyond having an understanding of what is good and evil, when God is left out of the worldview, there is no incentive to apply a divine moral worldview. Why bother? I think I mentioned it many months ago. Billy Joel had that song, Only the Good Die Young. I'd much rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Why? Why bother? Why bother be moral? Why bother be pure? Why bother be honest? Why live as a moral human being? True information yields true knowledge, 
And this only comes when God is at the beginning and the foundation of it. We may think that because a certain academic field does not have a theological element in its information, and it is informationally neutral, but all academic sciences, all academic pursuits, the information that filters out God, his fear, his knowledge, his moral standard of its worldview, all academic sciences that filter out God out of its moral, at its worldview, it's harmful and offers false information. It may be factually correct, but all information carries a moral influence. And without God at the center, its results lead to a false view of how to apply into real life the knowledge gained. In other words, we simply learn to live a life that is false. All the exploits that take place, all the corruption that it takes place in the political realm, in the financial realm, you name it, all that corruption that takes place finds itself in that individuals have said there is no God. And the information that I've acquired tells me and convinces me there is no God. But when information is provided from a young age, teenage years, youth, young adult, adult life, when information is presented with God as the beginning of knowledge and understanding, it goes beyond just filling the mind with facts. It gives us a knowledge on how to apply what I have gained, what I have learned to do good, to be a blessing. The academic pursuits are no longer governed by selfish ambition. I was reading in this magazine called the Lake Union Herald about a physician. Him and his wife went through a lot of financial sacrifices to go through school, and when they were finally establishing themselves with a successful medical practice, God said, go. Go to a place where you will not have the luxuries and the, the commodities that you have here. The knowledge that you have acquired, I want you to do good with it. And they went. And what God has done through individuals who have acquired true knowledge and have chosen to use that in a moral, ethical way to do good to others have outdone what human beings can do in one lifetime. Does that make sense to you? There are individuals that because they have lived a moral life of self-sacrifice for others have done more in their lifetime than many individuals that only live for themselves. Knowledge is power, true, but knowledge without divinely defined morals is dangerous power. It becomes a demoralizing, self-destructive power. Information without God's fear, knowledge, becomes knowledge as a tool to acquire material wealth without developing gratitude and generosity. Does that make sense to you? The, the people that come into this country, we like the freedom to make money. That's why we come here. That's why we cross the border. It's not because, oh, America has Disney World. No. And then we quickly discover that there's a lot of poor people in America too. Why do we have poor people in America? Because they're lazy? Because they're uneducated? Why do we have poor people in this country? Because very bright individuals have acquired tremendous amount of knowledge 
and exploit and slice and dice any way possible legislators and laws to benefit their pocket. Detroit knows that very well, doesn't it? It is not uninformed, uneducated individuals that have brought this great city down with all its financial fortitude it once had. Individuals with a lot of knowledge have taken that knowledge and made it dangerous and self-destructive. You drive around Detroit and you will see what false information does. Information that leaves God out of the picture. Information without God's fear knowledge becomes knowledge as a method to obtain power and influence without developing humility and self-sacrifice. We will spend more time on this next Sabbath when we explore education and character. But certainly, the more I learn, the more knowledge I acquire, a, a good litmus test that I am acquiring true education is, the more no of this knowledge I have, the more humble I see myself or I become. The more humility is exhibited in my life. All true knowledge is gained when the information comes imbued with God's moral, morals, with his values and ethical perspective. True knowledge leads to true believing, believing. True believing leads to true living. I never realized how important information was. I thought math was just math. Two oranges plus two oranges equals how many oranges? But math, with God in it, teaches you two oranges plus two oranges equals four oranges. And if you see someone hungry, share with them. Amen? See, math without God just tells you there's four oranges. What are you going to do? All for me. All four for me. Math, history, all academic pursuits need to have God as the beginning and foundation. Without God, we are incapable of living a moral life. And knowledge, instead of becoming a blessing, becomes a curse. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, true life that they may know you. The fear of the Lord is the knowledge of the Holy One, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What kind of information dominates the landscape of my home? Is it God-centered? Is it imbued with God's values and worldviews? What kind of information is being presented to myself, my spouse, and my children in my home? Is it God-centered? What kind of knowledge is my family receiving from the information we regularly expose ourselves to? I guess in this context, the school becomes an important part of our lives, but our homes, where all this primary information is being disseminated continually, it makes sense why some of the mediums that you guys mentioned earlier would try to squeeze into our family so that they become the source of information and not the parents, not God. What kind of school should I place my child in? 
quality of information should my child receive? History from human perspective or history from God's perspective? Science with God as the moral compass or science with the broken human heart to discern what's right and wrong? What quality of information should my child receive? Will it have God as the beginning and foundation of all the information presented? What kind of knowledge will my children eventually graduate into real life with? When we finally see them throw off the hat and get the diploma that will go in some wall, what kind of knowledge will that be? One that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is understanding. What kind of school should we put all our efforts into having? What is our ultimate goal and mission for having a Christian school? These are questions that us as an Oakwood church, that us as Christians need to grapple with. Some of us may need to make decisions. Some of us may need to make changes. But whatever change it should be done so that we do not allow ourselves, allow our children to become as fools when we look at life, there is no God. Rather, we should choose that which will lead to eternal life, to allow as much as it is possible to be exposed to true information that will yield true knowledge of God as he has revealed himself through Jesus Christ. Whatever we become, whatever our children become, above any degree, above any academic accomplishment, May it be so, may it be amen, that our children will choose to have God as their guide, as their counsel, as to how they should apply that knowledge in their lives. Amen, church? May the Lord bless our children with information, true information that will yield to true knowledge, a true knowledge based on the true God, who knowing him is eternal life. Father in heaven, thank you for expanding, broadening our very narrow view of education. Here in North America, Lord, we're feeling the pressure from other countries, other countries whose students and children are excelling at the sciences, excelling at other disciplines. There's nothing wrong, Father, with aiming for excellence and putting effort to master the sciences and the other disciplines. It is, in the end, a vain pursuit to do so while excluding you. So I first of all, Lord, pray this morning your blessing upon myself and all my brothers and sisters who have families. Father in heaven, Give us wisdom that the information in our homes will lead our children to believe that there is a God who is love, that there is a God that 
watches and sees and desires to produce in us a heart that does his commandments, that acts morally and ethically. And Father, I want to pray for our children in an earnest way. I plead for their minds. Through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through our homes, through our schools, protect the minds of our children from the constant bombardment of information that wants to convince them that there is no God. We don't want our children to grow up foolish, immoral, incapable of making right decisions. Bless our children with wisdom. Bless our children with true knowledge. Bless our children with an understanding of who you are. As a pastor, as a brother in the journey, I ask these blessings upon all of us, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.